0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Today, what I want to talk about is being battle ready. How do we make a stand against our enemy? How do we, as, as James, urges us in James 4, 7, how do we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil and then see him flee from us? How do we get battle ready? Well, today what I want to do is just want to focus in, funnily enough, on the one who is enough, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And we're going to reflect on how Jesus submitted himself to his father and resisted Satan. to to learn how we can do the very same thing as we face daily battles, daily challenges um, in our own lives. So as we come around God's word, let's pray and invite Holy Spirit to, to minister to us. Let's pray. Yeah, loving God, we thank you so much for that you are enough. Jesus, that you are more than enough. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to have it all together. We can simply rest in your grace. And know that because you won the victory for us, that victory is ours too. And so God, today, as we as we reflect on, on the battle that we're all in, and we are in a day of battle, whether we recognise it or not, and um, God, we just pray that you would help us to have our eyes open to that reality, but then also our hearts sort of open to, to the way in which we can join with you and actually keep in step with you, Holy Spirit, and allow your word to work powerfully through us to guard ourselves as we face battles and overcome and seek victory. So God, speak powerfully through your word, Holy Spirit, just come and have your way in me this morning. And we pray, God, just for great release and freedom to be felt by people, even this morning, God, as your word goes forth, that we might walk victoriously in your favour and in your grace. Thank you, God. Moving in power, we pray, in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. So if, if, you're, if you're here um, or with us online, welcome online, uh, and you might be seeking spiritual truth, well, this is something that's super important for you to consider today, maybe for the first time, and really think about, Not only is there a God who passionately loves you and has done everything to demonstrate that and continues to demonstrate his goodness, as we were singing earlier on, but there is a devil, Satan, who passionately hates you and will do everything he possibly can to destroy your life. Do you believe that? Good. Why does Satan passionately hate you? Because... He passionately hates God and anything that God is passionate about. And because God is passionate about you, Satan hates you. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be complicated. This is a reality. He doesn't, Satan doesn't want any of God's perfect plans and heart for people to be realized even one iota. Not at all. He lives and breathes to see people not experience the freedom and the life and the joy that comes from relationship with Christ. He lives and exists to see that not realised one little bit. That's what he's about. If if you think of Satan's job description, his number one priority is to destroy anything that is special to God. And he'll do anything to do that. Satan, unlike God, wants every single person to be separated from God in this life and also in the one to come as well. Now, a little bit on Satan, just if this is a new thing for you. Unlike God who has always been and was not created, but is the creator of all things seen and things unseen, Satan was created by God as a holy angel. In Ezekiel chapter 28, you can read this sometime, verses 12 to 14, it actually describes Satan being created as a, as a cherub. And we think of a cherub as like this cute little thing on a, on a Valentine's Day card or something like that. But scrub that image out of your mind. That's not what Satan looks like. The, a cherub is apparently the highest created angel. So it's a, it's a powerful angel, it's a beautiful angel, and you read the passage for yourself, all these jewels and shining and glittering, it's, like, it's, a, it's an impressive look. God created Satan to be majestic um, in appearance. Now the problem was, and for those of us who've been on our God story journey last year, this will sound very familiar as soon as I say it, Satan's problem was that he wasn't satisfied with serving God. He wasn't satisfied. He wanted to be the boss. He wanted control. He wanted to be served, not live a life of service to God. Does that sound familiar? It's kind of the human experience, isn't it? If we're honest, that in a nutshell is what sin is. We don't want to be submitted to anyone. We want to be the boss. We don't want to have anyone lording it over us, a boss or, or, a, or a, a, a deity. We want, to, we want to be in control, you know. This is what was the issue with Satan. Isaiah 14, verse 13 to 14, describes Satan's sinful ambition like this. It says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. There you go. That, in a nutshell, is sin, isn't it? Making ourselves like the most high. You might have heard this scripture before. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction or pride goes before a fall. Well, this was... In a nutshell, Satan's experience, his pride and rebellion towards God, his sin led him to be permanently removed from his high standing position, place of influence, place of blessing, like in God's very presence, working with God, got him removed from that and his role in heaven and and God cast him out. And now um, Satan rules as the prince of this world. In which we live. That's the reality. Now, as you can imagine, <clears throat> this demotion, like if anyone's ever had a job demotion before, doesn't feel good, does it? You can, you can feel certain things that you mightn't feel very often at all, but this demotion and, 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 and hit to his pride led Satan to devote his life to destroying everything that was precious to God, including people like you and me. Paul in Ephesians 6, he makes it, makes it clear that every single one of us is in a battle and we've all got the same enemy, and that is Satan. Paul, in Ephesians 6, to 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the the heavenly places. So that's describing Satan's hold on the world and all of, his, all of the other spirits and demons that do his bidding. Yeah? Now, how is Satan actively scheming to destroy us? How does he do it? Well, if you've ever read C.S. Lewis and the Screwtape Letters, that's some good insights into how he goes about it. One, one, thing that, one thing that he does is, is really simple. He keeps us stagnant. What does God want for us? To live rich, fulfilling, others focused, God honouring, Jesus exalting lives, yeah? What's the best thing that Satan could hope for for us? <clears throat> that we've heard the truth but we don't live in light of the truth that we call ourselves a Christian, but really all we are is a Christian on paper. You know? That's actually a win for Satan, if you think about it. And that's one of the, one of the biggest things, just apathy, Satan uses to destroy and hurt God's heart. Mm. Destroy us and hurt God's heart. But also, one of the, one of the big things that he does, and, and, he's, and he's so crafty at this, he's, he is, he's crafty. He tempts or leads us away from the place of complete reliance on God and obedience to God's ways. That's what he does time and time again. It's like, a, you know, you've got a fork in the road and, and we, we see God's ways and, and obedience to him and, and we know what that's going to go. But Satan's just like, oh, but do you really need to declare all your income on your tax return? Because, you know, Percy, you've worked hard all your life and I'm sure... I'm sure um, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Dan won't miss another 5,000 towards the, you know, just those little subtle things he, he puts in here and there, challenging us to walk away from obedience to God's ways. Now, we could spend time looking into all the armour of God in Ephesians chapter 6, but as I said, we're going to focus on Jesus' temptation and how he resisted Satan. But if you are hungry for more around practically spiritual armour, and what that means, how to go about that. I shared a, I'll say it's reasonable, message back in January 2022 in our Ephesians series called Equipped for Battle. And so if you want to find that, the link is in this YouTube description or you can find it wherever you get your podcast. So you can check that out. Anyway, let's jump in to the passage that likely you guys would either have in your Bible It would say the temptation of Jesus or something similar. It's from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 4, 1 to 13. Luke writes, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I love that. The devil said to him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, lots here. We could spend weeks looking into this, but I just want to make two overarching key observations from this passage around Jesus. And they're these. He was full of the Spirit. And he was full of the Word. He was full of the Spirit and he was full of the Word. And because he was full of the Spirit and because he was full of the Word, he was able to resist the devil's temptations and hold true to what he knew was best, obedience to God, following God's ways, God's plans, God's ideals. In verse 1 we read, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus, he was full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Now, clearly God's will was in, the, in his cosmic plans of redemption, if you want to think of it that way, in his plans to save people, part of God's will was to have his Son demonstrate his holiness, demonstrate that he was the one Lamb of God, the blameless Lamb, who even though he would face temptations of many kind, would choose the path that was right to follow God. And in doing so, in time, when he died on the sins as the, the Lamb of God, he was truly perfect. He was blameless. He didn't compromise no matter what. He was without sin. So part of that, no doubt, God's plan was to take his son by the Holy Spirit, drawing his son to go and face temptations and to overcome them all that he faced. And yeah, so that was why Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. But what I believe we also need to see from this passage is this, and and I guess this is important when we think about trying to understand God's heart and drawing out God's heart for each of us as his followers, or maybe even if we're, we're here or, or listening and, and we're not yet following Jesus, maybe if we're considering following him, this is what God, I think, would have us understand. Jesus was adequately prepared for battle. Jesus was adequately prepared because he was full of the Spirit. And so if we are wanting to be prepared for battle, if we're wanting to be in a place where we too are able to overcome and stand against Satan's schemes, we too need to be full of the Spirit. Now, here's a remarkable truth. And this, I don't think we often really grasp this. And if we did, it would change our very lives. If, if we take the time to think about this, if we are in Christ, if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, God has given us his own spirit. No? (laughs) Yes, boring. Come on, guys. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God's own Holy Spirit resides in you. From the moment of salvation, God's spirit is there. Bang. Yeah. Is that exciting? David Platt, a US pastor and author of a book called Radical, you might have read that before, he writes, when we come to faith in Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit of God is working in our minds and in our hearts. No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him to the Father. So the Holy Spirit is already at work before you even know the Holy Spirit is at work. He's opening our eyes and our hearts to trust in Jesus. And then from that point, from the point of salvation, We are filled with the Holy Spirit. God puts his spirit inside of us. This is the promise from Ezekiel 36. I'll put a new spirit in you. And this is what Jesus promised throughout the Gospels. I will give you my spirit. How good is that? How good is God? Even before we came to faith, even before we had a thought that maybe this Jesus guy might be worth following, The Spirit was already at work, drawing us to even have that thought. Isn't that remarkable? And then, as we we do open our hearts to Jesus and and place our faith in Him, at that very moment of salvation, at that very moment of salvation, a divine thing happens where we are infilled with God's own Spirit. Fully, completely, freely, just like that. Wonderful. Now, what I'm about to say might ring true for a few of us here. We know this is true, but we don't live like this is true. Is that fair? We know this is true. We understand intellectually. Oh, thanks, Siri. Um, Sorry, Siri's just helping me with directions for some reason. We, We know this is true, but we don't live like this is true. We understand in our heads that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that God's own spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in me, and yet we don't live like that. We do life and face the many daily battles, the daily challenges that Satan brings against us in our own strength, in our own wisdom. We don't take the time to go, hang on a minute, I might put on the mind of Christ here and. And, and seek him for some wisdom. I might allow Holy Spirit to operate through me, to give me the strength and the courage and whatever I need to face this thing. We just try and do it alone. We go it alone. We neglect the very power and wisdom of God that Jesus has ascended into heaven in order to allow the Spirit to come and dwell within us. You know, think about this. We might For some of us, maybe our battle that Satan loves to use is is an ongoing battle with lust, for instance. We see certain things on on a screen, whether that be a TV screen or a phone or on our computer screens, and we just try so hard. We try so hard, we hate it. We hate the fact that we're stuck in this battle. But we try so hard in our own strength and wisdom, but we just see this pattern over and over again where we continually give in to temptation. We walk in our own wisdom and find ourselves becoming more broken, more distraught and disconnected from God and his best for our lives. Maybe for some of us, that is in the form of an ongoing battle with anger. You know, we face situations that really tick us off, get us upset, and we try our hardest, you know, Maybe some of us, if if we've been Christian for a while, we we know that, that Scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. And we're feeling angry and we're going, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And then in our own strength, we just blow up and we rip people's heads off with our words, hopefully not literally, should be in jail if you do that, but figuratively, we, we take it out on those closest to us, and we watch as our relationships with family members and other loved ones just slowly disintegrate and break apart. You know what I'm saying. Every single one of us face battles and struggles of many kinds that, whether or not Satan's the one who necessarily brought them about, Who knows that some of the biggest battles we face were the fools who brought them about for ourselves. At least I know I am at many times. But as soon as there's a battle there, Satan loves to use those things to keep us from our Father. He loves to derail us and keep us from the abundant life Jesus has for us. Now, here is the good news for every one of us. We are, we are, through faith in jesus christ filled with holy spirit you can't deny that that is a spiritual reality if you are saved if you are born again made new in new life with christ you have holy spirit dwelling inside you that's just the reality and if we allow him to if we open our hearts if we if we relinquish control and stop trying to do it in our own strength, the beautiful thing happens. Holy Spirit actually starts leading us in life, gently, maybe even slowly at first, and starts taking us, guiding us, empowering us, transforming us, protecting us and strengthening us. And it's at this point when we're, when we're appropriating like putting into practice the Spirit in our lives and allowing him to move through us, that we are able to stand firm and resist the many temptations Satan brings our way. Because what does the Spirit want to see us do? He wants to see us keep in step with the Spirit. He wants to see us make choices, think thoughts, all of these things that glorify God, that that bring honour to God and and, and show, show others and, and even preach to our own hearts as we're doing it that Jesus is our treasure, that he's the one we're living for, that satisfaction in him is more important to us than any other temporary moment of pleasure we could get in any other way. Yeah? And he will help us to stick with Jesus and not give in to temptation. And as um, the Apostle Paul writes, this is what the Spirit helps us to do helps us in Galatians 5.16 to walk by the Spirit, and what happens? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Friends, let me ask you this morning, are you walking in step with Holy Spirit currently? Is this your reality? Are you winning? Are you winning and standing firm in the daily battles and against the temptations you face? Or... Are you in a place where you feel like, you feel like you're um, just waiting for the trainer to, to throw in the white towel in the boxing ring because you're just gone? You're out on the canvas and you feel like no matter what, you're fighting a losing battle. Well, I want to encourage you today. Holy Spirit is ready and waiting to be released in your life. That's just the reality, friends. That's, that is the beautiful reality of life with Christ. The Holy Spirit is living within you and he wants to have your heart and guide you and protect you and encourage you through life, if you let him. And, you know, like, like any work, who knows that if, if, you were to, if you were to jump into battle without being prepared, you wouldn't last long in battle, would you? the The very nature of any form of battle is that the the hard work's not done in the moment of the battle it's done in the lead up to the battle yeah you know it's done and for us it it it's really the simple things cultivating life with christ it's done in a five minute moment at the start of the day as you talk with Jesus and pray before you jump out of bed it's it's um as you're just being honest with the Holy Spirit throughout your day, as you share the battles, share the struggles you're facing and and how much you just really need Him to come through for you. It's in those kind of moments that, that the Spirit comes and moves and guides and strengthens and encourages us. So whether you're a person of faith or someone seeking faith, I just want to encourage you, be open, reach out. Don't try to resist the devil in your own strength. You might have tried it before. Doesn't work. Might seem to work for a bit. Won't work for long. And instead, invite Holy Spirit in, allowing Him to fill and guide you. And you will be able to resist the devil. Guaranteed. Okay. So Jesus was able to resist the devil and stay true to God because He was full of the Spirit and also because he was full of the word. Now it's clear, even from a very, very quick reading of Luke 4, that passage we read, that that Jesus was very, very familiar with scripture. Jesus didn't just have like a, a cursory knowledge of scripture. He didn't just kind of, you know, Jesus was very familiar with scripture. At this point in history, scholars say Jesus was around 30 years old, the start of his earthly ministry, and Jesus was a Jewish man. And if anyone's familiar with Jewish culture, it continues to this day. But Jewish children spend many, many hours all through their childhood years and continue to, deep into their adult years, to the very ends of their days, memorising scripture. Memorising scripture. And so what does Jesus do? He saturated his mind and heart in the truth of God's word. That's what he does. That's what he did. And that's what is wonderful about Jewish culture as well. I love these insights, courtesy of, well, the late Tim Keller now, sadly. He writes, Jesus was so saturated in the word of God that it spontaneously came to his mind enabling him to interpret and face every challenge. God's word was what sustained God's incarnate word when he lived and when he died. You know, there's no doubt about it being true, especially when we look at how Jesus sort of gave gave the backhand back to Satan's uh, temptations in the desert. Three times we see Luke records the three temptations that Satan threw Jesus' way and three times Jesus stood against them. How? By quoting scripture. By quoting scripture. By countering and guarding against every single temptation with truth. Now, we won't bring up all the verses. You can have a look yourself this week. But in verse 3, Satan says, hey, make this stone become a bread. You're hungry. You're hungry. You need some food. Nothing wrong in that. And what does Jesus say? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He says, no, no, no thanks. It is written, man does not live by bread alone. And as you can see here, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan, verses 6 to 7, he says, hey, Jesus, just, just, you know, it's a tough road you're choosing here. We know how it's going to end. Just worship me and I'll give you all the kingdom and everything you see already. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? What does Jesus say? Verse 8, he quotes Exodus 20 and verse 3. He says, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. It is written, there's only one God to be served. You shall have no other gods before me. One of the commandments. Then Satan in verse 9 to 11, and... Don't miss this as well. What does Satan do now? His tactics didn't immediately work. So what does he do? He throws scripture Jesus' way. He throws scripture Jesus' way. He's a crafty snake of a deceiver, and he will even use good things to try and derail us from following God. So he quotes scripture back at Jesus. And he says, well just just throw yourself down from this high place and, and it'll be okay because, you know, you'll, you'll nothing will happen to you, you'll be fine. And what does Jesus say? He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16. He says, "Nah, it is written, you don't put God to the test. As we see, shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him. Every single temptation, Every single one dealt with with scripture, as my um, ESV study Bible says, says all of Jesus' answers come from God's word, specifically from the book of Deuteronomy, which was highly respected in Jesus' time. By quoting scripture back to Satan, Jesus demonstrates the centrality of God's word in defeating Satan's attacks and temptations. Now let's think about this. If this was the strategy that Jesus Christ, God himself in human form, saw fit to use to deal with the temptations that Satan threw his way, I reckon we'd be pretty foolish to try any other response to deal with them, wouldn't we? It'd be utterly foolish to think that we could somehow handle the temptations that satan throws our way in any other way we need to be people like jesus who who don't just you know um read the read the truth every now and then or or have that kind of pattern of life gets hard and then we Blow the dust off our Bible and open it up again. No, no, no. We need to be those people who know the truth, live the truth, breathe the truth, who can recall the truth to apply to any and every situation that we might face in life. You know, when we're, when we're faced with temptations to give in to lust, for example, an example I used earlier, we'd, be, we'd do well to, to memorise and pray Jesus' words from the Beatitudes in Matthew Five, eight, over our lives. What does Jesus say? He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? They shall see God. And then Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 10.13, these could serve as a, as a powerful weapon in the battles we face, not just last any battle we face. What does Paul write? He says, no temptation, say that again, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's pretty encouraging, isn't it? And then we could finish off with, a, with a, just a simple heartfelt prayer. You know, God, I... I I really want to be blessed. I want to be pure. I don't want to give in to these temptations. Thank you that I will never face even one temptation that I won't be able to handle with you. Thank you that in your power, Holy Spirit, I can escape and endure this temptation and not give in. Amen. could be as simple as that. I guarantee you, you put that into practice in your life and you will see things that, are, that are, feel like these mighty temptations that you're just on this, this highway to, to, to fall for all the time. You'll see that being broken bit by bit over your life. You'll start seeing freedom from those things that are weighing you down. And you will also get that beautiful satisfaction that comes from knowing that you are walking in the light as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light. And again, just like when it comes to being full of the Spirit, we can't expect to kind of just be able to pull scriptures out randomly as we're in the heat of the battle, can we? Who, who knows from experience that that just doesn't happen, does it? It doesn't happen. If we need to be prepared, we need to create our own, in a sense, we need to create like a, an individualised battle plan, you know, like a, like a, um, a commander-in-chief would sit down with generals and they'd develop a, a, a special battle plan to face a certain enemy. We need to do the same, because like, like, a, like a commander looking at a certain geographical space, there's certain things that they need to factor in. They know what they're facing. They know that they've got a battle here. They know they've got it easy here. They know they've got more of a challenge here. And so they would tailor how they go about defeating the enemy, taking all those things into consideration. And it's much the same for us. My temptations that I face on a daily basis are likely very different from yours. Maybe some are the same. But no doubt, the way in which we come about them the things that might lead us into temptation are going to be different. And so it's not like we can just put together a generic plan and say, here we go, here you go, Leanne, here you go, Cam, here you go, Boris. Who's Boris? I don't know. Anyway, um, we can just and throw it out and then go, this is going to work. It's not going to work like that. Because if, if we are people who are full of the Spirit and we're open to Him, He's going to guide us in how we can make this plan work for us. So that we can truly have victory, not just moments of freedom, which feel so good until we then get back in the cycle and are stuck again. Yeah? Now, each of us here know, and if we don't know, and you're married, ask your spouse, they'll know what your particular struggles are and temptations are, but we should know what, we, what those things are. But rather than trying to tackle them in our own wisdom, why don't we all take some time to allow true wisdom. And this is the reality, isn't it? It's the life-changing truth of God's word. That's what it is. The life-changing truth of God's word is true wisdom. And if we allow that to speak to, it will help us to address them. God's word is full of wisdom for living, but ultimately, ultimately, God's word points us to reflect back on the very man we've been reflecting on all day and will every Sunday and every day of our lives to the end of the days, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The one who was without sin, the one who pleased his Father faithfully in every way, the one who overcame, overcame and makes the way for us through Holy Spirit's power to live victoriously as overcomers too. You know, Jesus was full of the spirit and he was full of the word. And because he was full of both, he was able to resist the devil and stay true to God. Let me ask you this today. Are you full of them too? Are you full of both too? Are you allowing Holy Spirit to, to truly guide you in your life? Are you allowing him to empower you to live this life with all the ups and downs and in-betweens? Are you regularly saturating yourself in God's word as Jesus did? Are you preparing for battle prior to battle? Not just waiting for the moment and hoping that, oh, I think I can tackle this one, but getting on the front foot beforehand, developing your battle plan, getting ready, for when the time comes, because who knows, it's only a matter of when they come, so that you'll be ready to fight. Are you battle ready? I just want to take a moment just to pray generally over all of us, because the the reality is we're all in a battle. We're in a battle each and every day of our lives. And until Christ returns or until we go to glory, we'll be battling. So the sooner, the sooner we take hold of these powerful but simple truths, the, the sooner we will get to experience more of the life that Jesus longs for us to live with him. So let's just open our hearts and let's just wait on Holy Spirit for a moment. And then I'm going to pray for all of us.